0: I'm going to read from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told us to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened.
1: Great. Thanks, Emily. Well, uh, good morning, West Side. I'd like to welcome you, whether you're here in uh, our house this morning or whether you're online. I want to welcome you to our Easter service, to this Resurrection Sunday. And so uh, we're continuing this this series in uh, the Gospel of Luke called "Encountering Jesus." But we have a special kind of two-part uh, message here for Holy Week. So Dan Graham kicked us off with that last week. He did a great job on our Good Friday message, talking about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a somber message. As it it should be. But this morning, we're here, as we already have done through song and through the word, we're here to celebrate this morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I just got to tell you, I'm super stoked to be up here this morning and talk to you about it. So if you, so some of you here this morning, you know, you might have heard this story a thousand times. You know, you've grown up in church and sometimes you can kind of take this story for granted. And what I'm hoping here this morning is that you don't take it for granted. You, you hear it again. You hear it afresh because uh, the Easter story is a story that literally changed the world. Three words in particular. And I also want to recognize this morning that there may be some skeptics in the house this morning. And you know what I want to say to you this morning? If you, you don't buy into the resurrection thing, you're not into the Jesus thing. You know what I want to say to you this morning? because I was once like you. I didn't buy into any of this stuff. And I'm going to share a little bit of my story later on here in my talk. But uh, if you looked at me years ago, like a couple 30 years ago, and least likely person to be at church giving an Easter message, uh, hello there, that would have been me. Okay. And as some of you know, I have a lot of sayings. One of my sayings is God has a sense of humor, and he truly does have a sense of humor in my case. So there's something I think for everybody here this morning. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about those three words that changed the world. And I want to apply that this morning to a couple of groups. So if you're a follower of Jesus, there's there's those words impact you. I want to talk about the impact of those three worlds words on the world in general. And then I want to address those three words to the skeptic. So, uh, uh, Emily did a great job of reading out of Luke. That's our passage this morning, verses 1 through 12. If you have your scriptures there this morning, you can, you can go to them. And I really see Luke chapter uh, 24 as this four-part play. And it has the women who come to the tomb. We have their encounter with the angels, we have the telling of the eleven, and then of course we have Peter. And so if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is broken into two parts basically, an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the first four books of the Bible are called the Gospels, and they're written by followers of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, they're, and they give insights into the life of Jesus. So the story, the Easter story, the story of resurrection is mentioned in all four Gospels. And so when God says something four times, he says, whoa, this is important. Stop. Check it out. Look into this thing more. So that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning. So I want to start with part one, part one, and it's the women. So on the verses on the screen there, what we see here is on the first day of the week, the women, they come to the tomb, they have spices with them, and what they see is a stone is rolled away, and they did not find the body of the Lord. So let's talk about some terms there. So the, the first day of the week, what are we really talking about there? We're talking about Sunday or uh as it's later called in the New Testament, the Lord's Day. So uh, if you remember the Easter story like what Dan talked about last week, Jesus is crucified on a Friday. After he is crucified, uh Joseph of Arimathea, one of Jesus's followers, goes to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor at the time, and says, "I would like to take the body of Jesus and bury it, and so that's what happens on that Friday. But on the Saturday, or the Sabbath, as known under Jewish law, it was a day of rest. So nothing occurred. So then they go to the tomb there on early on that first day of the week, that Sunday morning, and they encounter the the tomb that was um, empty there. And I want to just say something about the tomb. So they knew exactly where that tomb was. They were there on that Friday when Jesus was put uh, into the grave, and then they came back there on that Sunday or that first day of the week. And who were the women there? Well, the women are Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and then other women too, and we see that later on in verse 10. And when I kind of think about these women, it's kind of cool that they were there, and when you go back through the gospel accounts, you see that they were there always tending to Jesus' needs and supporting them. So what we see is early on in the, the history of the Jesus movement, women had an important role. So what are we talking about in terms of tombs? So I know when we talk about tombs, you know, it might be a tomb that you might seen at a funeral or maybe some of these tombs in some of these zombie apocalypse movies. What are we really talking about in terms of a tomb? that's what we're kind of talking about in terms of a tomb. And very different the tombs in Jesus's time versus our tombs today. And it's important that differentiation. So back then when somebody was was buried, they either put them in a cave with a large stone rolled over it, or they carved something out of the the hills there. And uh, they they rolled this massive stone over it. It was on this kind of guide or railing. And the stone could weigh up to about a couple of tons. And the reason they rolled that. Stone there was they didn 't want grave robbers coming in they didn 't want um, animals coming in and desecrating the burial site. so the women come to the tomb they see this massive stone is rolled away and If you also remember about the the gospel story of Easter here. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, the Jewish authorities had say, hey, assign a guard to that place. So a Roman guard was guarding that place. And so when the women get there, the guards are long gone and something miraculous has happened. Someone or something has moved away this massive stone. That's part one. Part two, angels. Part two is angels. So here what we see here is the women, they come to the tomb and they, they see these two individuals, these two men in clothes that gleam like white, like lightning, okay? They look utterly different and when they encountered them, what do they do? They fell down to the ground in fear. I think if we saw these people, if we saw an empty tomb and then we saw these two people standing there, I think we'd all fall down to the ground as well. The two men, uh, that you see there are referenced they're angels. How do we know that? There are references in Matthew's account of the Easter story, as well as John's account of the Easter story. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, what, a, you know what an angel basically is, it's, it's just kind of a messenger. Well, it's like a, it's, a, it's like a super messenger, but it's a messenger bringing news from God to mankind. And typically when angels show up, you take notice, okay, because they're all altogether different than us, but they also bear something important to hear. And so they get into that here. And here's what they say. They give a question. It's it's actually a profound question to the women. And they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Seems like a logical question. And then they basically answer their own question and they say something even more profound. He is not here. He has risen. Which what we have been talking about and celebrating this morning. And those are the three simple words He has risen. Those three simple words changed everything. So the angels continue, and here's what the angels do, is they kind of do a rewind on the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus was here on earth, he started his earthly ministry at about 30, went on for about three years. So what he does is he takes them back and does a rewind of what Jesus said. All right, so Jesus said a couple of things. He said the Son of Man, so the Son of Man is is an Old Testament messianic reference to the Messiah. Jesus identified himself as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it says he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. The Messiah will be crucified. And then he would rise again on the third day, just as he said. And and, and the angels there are reminding the women of this. And this wasn't the first time Jesus had said that. If you check out the gospel accounts, on several occasions, Jesus Jesus made it very clear what his mission was and how this was going to end. So what the angels do here is just basically give them a refresher course on the ministry of Jesus. So then we kind of move into our third part of the play here. And the third part of the play, as I would say, is the eleven. And so the eleven, the women, they have encountered the angels. They got the empty tomb. They come to the eleven and they tell them what has happened. And the eleven They don't buy into this at all. So who's the 11 here? Well, it used to be 12, but we had a little, uh, we had, uh, we had an issue here with Judas. Remember Judas, he betrays Jesus and then Judas goes out and kills himself. So we got 11 here at this time. They're known as apostles. Again, apostles were kind of early leaders in the Jesus movement became the, uh, the foundation and the pillars of the early church. So we, they're talking to the 11 there and then they say that this is, this, story is like nonsense and when you look at the original language for the word nonsense it means idle talk it means an unbelievable story i mean it's it's like how can you actually believe this stuff and if we were in there wouldn't you feel the same way i mean think about it a couple days ago what 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 occurred what occurred jesus was crucified in front of their eyes they saw what happened dead people when they die what happens to dead people when they die they stay what they stay dead all right they don't rise from the dead all the time that's what happens so you know sometimes the 11 get beaten up a little bit but you know we would have done this exact same thing so then there's a question that i would ask you and uh where were these people at the time where were the 11 where were the 11 they were Hiding out. They weren't these courageous individuals here. They were hiding out in a room. Why were they hiding out? Because they just saw their Lord and King and Master get crucified. And you know what they thought? He, we're next. What they had expected was they had expected Jesus was going to come. He was going to be the king and the Messiah. And he was going to deliver them from the Roman oppressors. And that they were going to, it was going to usher in a new kingdom where the 12 of them, they would rule with Jesus here on this earth. And he's crucified. And that whole vision they had, absolutely blown up. It's blown up. And they're in hiding. That's what John's account lets us know real clear. So that's the 11. So now, we kind of beat up on the women. We kind of beat up sometimes on the, uh, on the apostles. Like, why didn't you just get this? Okay. Like, obviously for us, 2000 plus years later, we have a little bit of help called the Holy Spirit. But the way I kind of look at this, it's, it's like a bunch of puzzle pieces. All right. And one of the things that they really didn't understand was the resurrection that he is risen. And what that did is it brought all those puzzle pieces together. And then we have the fourth part of our play here, and it's Peter. Anybody like Peter? Any of those who's been around church? you like Peter? I kind of got to say I kind of love Peter, all right? And you knew Peter was going to show up at some point. So if you're not familiar with uh, the Bible or church, uh, been, haven't been around church... Uh, Peter's kind of an interesting guy. So Peter, he shows up and, uh, he's there with the eleven and he hears the account of the women. And what does Peter do? Like what Peter typically does? He just books it. Man, he books it to the tomb. And if you look at the, uh, what it says there, he ran to the tomb. What the, what the word run means, man, he sprinted. I mean, he was out of there. So what do we know about Peter? So he's a early follow. He was probably one of the first followers of Jesus. He was a key apostle. He was a fisherman, so that was his trade. And then he was impulsive. Any impulsive people in here occasionally, or anybody have impulsive uh, impulsive trends in their lives? That's Peter. And then also too, what a lot of them know him as as the denier. He denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. When Jesus needed him the most, he wasn't there. And so think about you've put yourself into Peter's shoes there. If you had heard there was even a sliver of hope, that someone you had denied for, had denied three times and then you had gone and you had gone and had been with him for the last three years, if you thought he was alive, you would book it to the tomb as well. And so he gets there. Peter's wondering what's going on here. So what does Peter do? He goes back to what he knows. goes back to fishing. And we see that later in John's account of the gospel. So that's our four-part play. So here's what I kind of want to talk to you about is what does this mean on three different classes of people? First off is, what is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, what does what does those three words, he has risen, mean? What do they mean to you? And I would argue this morning that it's the most important truth of your faith. You know, Keith touched on that this morning as he opened our communion time. But let's just don't take my words for it. Let's take the words of the Apostle Paul. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Many of you know these verses very well. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are all we are of all people most to be pitied. That's the bad news there. But then the Apostle Paul slides in verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And so now we have all the four Gospels point to the resurrection. We have uh, the Apostle Paul who writes most of the New Testament. He points to the resurrection. And the resurrection is all over the New Testament writings. So it's an important, it's the foundation, it's the cornerstone of your faith. Why is that? Because what it really does is it solidifies what Dan Graham talked to us about last week. Jesus dying for our sins. Your sin, my sin, that's what Good Friday was all about. But what the resurrection showed is God is putting his stamp of approval on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What he is saying in raising him from the dead, he is saying your sacrifice for sin is complete. It is enough. And now the Lord Jesus Christ has sat down at the right hand of God. Anytime somebody sits down in the presence of God, it's a finished and complete work. That's why the resurrection is so important if you're a follower of Jesus this morning. I was also thinking of some other reasons why those three words, he is risen, is important if you're a follower of jesus this morning i think it's what we've already done it's a celebration right if you're a follower of jesus i'll use my uh kennedy vernacular from the beaches of laguna you should be super stoked this morning you really should i mean you should be pumped up and excited because that's the cornerstone and foundation of your faith also i hope you're in awe I hope you're in awe this morning that we have this majestic, powerful God that can raise from the dead. And as Keith reminded us this morning, we're all going to die at some point. So just as Jesus died and rose again, we look forward to that as well in our lives. And then based on what God has done, we should want to honor him should want to honor him with our lives. We should want to serve him. We should want to put him first in our lives. And then the last thing is just to share the Easter story with those who don't know him. And here's what you see over the last three years and what people are looking for and searching for today. People are more open than ever to having spiritual conversations. They're seeking. They're searching. And you know why? Because over the last three years, Everything that they have trusted in, everything that we have trusted in, failed us. And what people are looking for is something they can build their lives upon, something that will not ever fail them. And Jesus Christ, he'll never ever fail you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he'll be true to his word. So, let's look at what does this means for the world. Those three words. He is risen. What does that mean for our world today? And I, I would say it changed everything. Even if you don't buy into, as I said, the Jesus thing, Jesus Christ coming to this earth, his death and resurrection absolutely changed everything. So, if you're familiar with any part of church history, what you saw is after um, after Jesus' resurrection, the, the, his followers took his good news all over the known world. I mean, it really spread all over the place. And then what the what he has risen means for our world is there's a there's a way back to God. We who have offended God, we who have gone against God, we have broken our ways, we've turned our back on him through the message of Good Friday and through the message of Easter Sunday, we have a path back to God through his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his followers went on to do some pretty amazing things. They went on to, to be involved in charitable works. They went on to start medical relief efforts in facilities and hospitals. And over the centuries, they built some of the greatest universities on this planet. And they pursued the arts and they pursued the science as a way as of lifting up God and honoring him. And we also see what this means in our world today is um, all time is, de- is, is, is delineated by his coming to this planet. I mean, B.C., before Christ, A.D. A.D. doesn't mean after death. There's a little, for your Latin scholars out there, what it really means is, uh, it means in the year of our Lord. So it was assumed he was alive until so you're just marking time by his years. And then I came across this this quote uh, that I found in kind of preparing for my talk here this morning. And it, and it impacted me. And it just talks about Jesus' impact on history, and it's from a, a theologian, Rebecca McLaughlin. She has a little book out that just got released. Is Easter unbelievable? It's a short, little, 64-page book. If you're wondering about all this book, about all what I'm talking to you about this morning, what you've heard, it's a great book to check out. But here's what she says: Of course, the extraordinary spread of Christianity, both numerically and graphically, doesn't prove that Jesus really rose again. But how a man born into a subjugated ethnic group in an obscure Roman province who lived poor, died young, who never wrote a book, raised an army, or sat on a throne has come to be the most impactful human in all of human history does require some kind of explanation. Now let's let's turn to... What those three words, he has risen, mean for the skeptic. If you're a skeptic in the house this morning or online this morning, I want to say to you, it's okay to be a skeptic. I was once like you. I get where you're coming from. And here's what I would uh, challenge you to do or encourage you to do, is to check out and be intellectually honest about the claims of Jesus Christ. And here's what I'd ask you to do. I'd ask you to wrestle with a couple of questions. First question, where is the body of Jesus? Why didn't the Roman and Jewish authorities just present the body of Jesus and just say this thing is all a hoax? If they would have done that, Christianity would have been stomped out in year one. Ask yourself, why didn't that happen? Next thing to happen, next question to ask is, why the dramatic turnaround in the 11? So remember when we last left the 11 in the gospel accounts here, where were they at? They were cowering and they were afraid of getting what?" strung up. That's what they were afraid of. But something transformed in them, and they went all over the known world and they took the good news of Jesus. And you know what they were willing to do? Those people who were afraid to be crucified? They went on to die, absolutely many of them, horrific deaths. And you know all they had to do to prevent those deaths? You know what they had to do? Don't preach about Jesus, renounce him.
0: That's it. That's it.
1: But they went all over the known world, taking the message of Jesus with them. And lastly, if you're a skeptic here this morning, I'd get you to wrestle with, how do you explain the lives changed by Jesus over the past 2,000 years, billions and billions of lives that he has changed since his death and resurrection. I get you to consider those things. And I want to talk to you a little bit about myself. And so uh, I, I was I was a skeptic. I, I've already shared that with you. So that's a picture of if you're not familiar with it. Oregon State University. Go beeves, There you go. I had to get that plug in. Uh, that's the quad area. And a lot of the traffic on the university funnels into that quad area. And in that quad area there in the square portion, you will see street preachers, lay preachers, and they will um, they will they will just share the good news of Jesus. So uh, I grew up not in Oregon. Sorry about that for you lifelong Oregonians. I grew up in this little idyllic beach town called Laguna Beach, California. And uh, at 16 years of age, my parents split up, uh, and I came with my mom up to Oregon. And I went from this idyllic little beach community called Laguna Beach, surfer boys, all of that good stuff. I came to a place called Junction City, Oregon, and I'd never seen a farmer or a cowboy in my life, but they had a whole bunch of them there. All right? And uh, let's just say my last two years at Junction City High School were a little challenging. So I'm there, I'm on the campus of Oregon State University, and I hate absolutely everything about my life. On the outside, I look like I'm doing great, but on the inside, I am dying. I hate my life. I'm angry at my, I'm angry especially at my father for breaking up the marriage. And I am, I am there and I had heard about Jesus when I was in high school. I hated him. I hated everything about God. God, how could you allow all this to happen? And so I would go on that quad and I would literally be vicious to those street preachers. I would spit on them. I would, I would curse them. I would, I would uh, throw things at them. I mean, I was their worst nightmare. That was me. Until I met an Oregon State basketball player named AC Green. And then I met a cute Scottish girl named Frances Monroe. And they said, well, Kennedy, you seem to be intellectually an intellectually honest person. You seem to that seems to matter a lot to you. Have you ever checked out the claims of Jesus for yourself? Have you ever asked the hard questions about who he said he is? And I hadn't. And so I started to do that. And it kind of led me, that was my freshman, sophomore, juniors. My, my senior year, I had to wrestle with what is the good news. I wrestled with the good news. And so some of you might be here this morning, you might never have heard this before in your life. I'm just going to share that with you and the impact it had on me. So the, the G in uh, the gospel is... Uh, is, is God created us to be with Him. That's His heart's desire. His heart's desire is He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to be with Him. That's what He did. That's what He did in the garden. God is a God of love. He's a God of relationship. But then when humans get involved, we tend to mess things up, unfortunately. And uh, in the garden, if you're familiar with the story, we sinned and we rebelled against God. The word sin just basically means you missed the mark. God has a standard that he says is good for your life. Adhere to that standard. Things are going to go well for you. And what mankind has said to God is like, yeah, that sounds great. We're going to go do it our own way. And God will always let you do it his own way your own way, but there's consequences. And so the consequences of, of that decision all those years ago in the Garden of Eden and continuing on to today was, was sin brings consequences and sin brings death. The Bible's very clear that the wages of sin is death, both not only physical death, but also spiritual death, separated from God from all eternity in a place we don't really like to talk about much, but it's there in the scriptures, a place called hell. Place of eternal torment. And then, the S part there, your sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Since the beginning of, of time, it seems like there's this, there's this, uh, thought out there that if we just do enough good things, that God is gonna be pleased with us. And, and here's, here's the reality of it. God's a ten, and we're not even on the, we're not even on the numerical chart. Okay? That's the way it is. You're never, ever going to, on your own, be able to please God with your own good works. Now, that's really bad news. Really bad news. But then it gets better, right? That's the, that's the message of Good Friday. That's the message of Easter Sunday. It's paying the price for sin. Jesus, God's only Son, the Holy One, the only one who could take your place, could take my place— That's what he was doing there at the cross that's why he rose again from the dead proving that he is the son of god and that he died and he rose again for you and for me and that everyone who trusts in him alone not on your works nothing else in christ in christ alone if you do that you will have eternal life and lastly life with jesus starts now and lasts forever. So we tend to focus in the church on the forever part, but you know what? Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Him, He's there with you now. He's there with you in the good times. He's there with you in the challenging times. He is the one that said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." I'll tell you what He did in my life. So remember that guy I told you he moves from Laguna, ends up in Junction City, and uh, and he's on the Oregon State campus. And um, I was looking good on the outside. Um, but I was dying on the inside. And I tried to fill my life with absolutely everything. So as I was in Laguna, I hated my father so much on two separate occasions. Tried to. I was ready, willing to take his life. I come to Junction City. Um, and I'm sitting there on a couple of evenings on two separate occasions. i hating my life so much. I'm willing to take my own life. And I heard that. And it finally sunk in, and it changed everything. The guy who was angry, the guy who had all of this hatred and animosity in his heart, that began to change, especially toward my father. A spirit of forgiveness came in, and as time went on, as we got older as adults, I was able to have a relationship with him. And what God did, all that stuff that I was looking to put into my life that I thought would bring meaning and purpose and fulfillment, and I think probably deadened the pain, God replaced all that. Gave me peace. Gave me joy. He gave me purpose. And he's done things in my life that absolutely blow my mind. But it's because of that. It's because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what he holds his hand out to you this morning. It's what he does. He loves you. He wants to be with you. I don't know where you're at this morning with God. I really don't. But man, I I would love to afterwards talk with any of you who have a question about what you've heard this morning. And I guess I close with this. What are you going to do with those three words? What are you going to do with them? As I see it, there's only kind of two ways you go with this. You know, you either embrace those three words. You live a life that you seek to honor God, you serve him, and you tell others about him. That's what Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday should drive us to. Or you can take the other path. Okay? And that's a path of I'm going to turn my back on God. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm just going to go from there. And the thing about God, he never forces himself on you. He'll never, ever do that. And so he'll say, you can go do your own thing. You can turn your back on him, but there are going to be consequences for that. And one day you will die. There will be a judgment. And at that point in time, there's no second chances. But that's not what God wants for you. God wants for you to embrace the message of Good Friday and to embrace the message of Easter Sunday. So that's my question. What are you going to do with those three words? He has risen. Those three words change the world. My challenge to you is what are you going to do with them? I want to pray for you now, and then um, Isaiah and Brittany and the rest of the team are going to come up and give us a, a closing song. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning uh, for this opportunity just to gather in the name of Jesus, that name that is above all names, that precious name, that holy name, that all sufficient, majestic name that we come in this morning, and we come in celebratory. Lord, we we come in this morning. Lifting up the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're thankful for Good Friday. We're thankful for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we we're, we're pray that this morning what the, the words that have been spoken, the songs that have been sung, the scriptures that have been read, Lord, I pray that for the follower of Jesus, they would be encouraged, they would be excited to follow you even more passionately. And Lord, as we have some in our house and online this morning who may not know you, who may be a skeptic, who may be still checking this out. Lord, the prayer is simple for them, that you would break through by the power of your Holy Spirit. You would open their eyes. They would wrestle with the hard questions of faith, and they would commit their lives to Jesus Christ, the one who will never leave or forsake so we love you lord we thank you and we're just we're just blown away lord that we have the opportunity here to lift you up on this resurrection sunday for it's in the worthy and holy name of
0: jesus our savior and king we pray amen